Hello and welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. I'm Eric, Discipleship Pastor at New Life Lutheran Church. Thanks for joining us today. Today on the podcast, we hear our sermon from this weekend. We're beginning a new Advent series called Christmas Traditions, exploring some of your favorite traditions and maybe your not-so-favorite traditions in the Christmas season, which are rooted in the biblical account of God coming to us in the form of Christ. Our scripture today is Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, I too decided after investigating everything carefully from the very first to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you have been instructed. Thanks for joining us today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can find it at Podbean, iTunes Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music. Let's get growing. Well, you're not going to believe this, but just before all of you came in this morning, I got this crazy phone call, and it was from an author. And you would know this guy, but I I promised him I wouldn't tell him your name. And he called me and he said, I want to write a story about you. And I said, okay, what kind of story are we talking about? He said, well, not like a newspaper article, not something that short and pithy, and and not one of those based on true story books where, you know, they take an element of your life and they they make it really Hollywood and they add a romance and an action scene and they, they have it played by better looking people than you. He said, I'm going to write a biography. And it wasn't about new life like us collectively. It was about you individually. Now you're probably thinking, there's no way you're telling the truth because my life's not that interesting. I'm not that inspirational. And even if I was, I don't have a book-worthy life. I really have more of a, a newspaper-worthy life. right? If you, if you looked at your highlights of your life, there was probably snippets that actually made the newspaper When you were in high school, maybe you scored 20 points and you made the sports section, or maybe you were on the A honor roll and your name made the roster of all the kids who were on the A honor roll, or or maybe, you know, got married and your picture with your beautiful bride or your beautiful groom, that was in the paper, or maybe you had some sort of interesting thing about you that, that made the paper, or maybe like Tim Thompson, you got caught speeding and your name made the paper. It's a very special moment in our church history. But sometimes we make the paper because there's moments in our life that are interesting to people, and we make the paper. But we know that if someone is going to write a book about us, we have to be beyond famous. I mean, not just newspaper articles, but a collection of those to build to a full-blown story, especially when it comes to a biography, just the nitty-gritty details of our life. I mean, we have to be famous and beyond famous. I mean, biographies are reserved for ex-presidents, not just senators, but ex-presidents, and not just athletes, but the athletes that transcended all the other athletes like Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, and, and Ty Cobb, and Babe Ruth. I mean, these are the type of people that, that get biographies written about them. And you know why, because if I wrote a biography about me or about you, that more than likely no one's going to buy it. 
right? So if a famous author did call me and wanted to write a story about one of us, he would have to pick the famous of the famous of the famous of the famous. And to be honest, I don't even know anyone like that, and you probably don't either. Because this is what the author knows. If he's going to spend that time researching all the facts about this person, if he's going to spend all that time getting to know them and and pouring in all of his resources, editing it and proofing it and printing it and putting it in a book, that he needs to make money. So he needs to recoup all that time and energy and publishing cost so that when it goes to the bookstore, when it goes on Amazon, when someone buys it, he's actually going to make money so he can put food on the table. And the truth is, I'm not interesting enough to put food on this table, and you probably aren't either, because we know that's reserved for those who are beyond famous, famous beyond famous. But this is what this author also knows. Even for people who are famous beyond famous, that what he doesn't do is put the mundane things of their life in this book. Right? He wants it to be a page turner, as much as a biography can be a page turner. But he's not going to put the stuff that all of us do. He's not going to write stories about, hey, so-and-so gets up and, and they brush their teeth in the morning, because hopefully all of us brush our teeth in the morning, right? Hopefully he's, he's not writing stuff about, hey, they took a shower this week, because once again, hopefully all of us took a shower this week. Because these are the mundane, boring things of life, and that would not fit in a biography. We're not going to have those things like so-and-so graduated sixth grade. We're going to put the special things, the life-altering things, And especially if a a biographer was going to write a story about somebody, what they wouldn't put in there is a story of their birth. Especially when it's a healthy, normal birth. Where the kid came out, he cried, he fed well, everything was great. Because that would not be a page turner. So if I were to write a book and put a story of a birth in it, you better be beyond famous, beyond famous, beyond famous. Because people, if they're going to be interested in the mundane, you have to transcend famous beyond famous. Well, during our journey in Advent, we're going to be looking exactly at a biography written about somebody who was so famous beyond famous that the writer, Luke, decided to sit down, do all the research, and write down the story of a birth. This is how he begins. Since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us. So right away, the author of Luke, which is Luke, as you probably figured out, Luke gives us kind of the trajectory of where he's going. He's like, this is the point. This is why I'm doing this. This is kind of where I'm going. He says, since many have undertaken this orderly account. So right away, he tells us something really interesting that lots and lots and lots and lots of people are writing a biography about this character that we know is going to be Jesus. He says many, many, many people are doing that. Now, I don't know if you're an author or kind of published on the side or anything like that, but even all of us, even us who had never even read a book, we get that if many people are writing a biography, which is a hard seller anyways, that if many people are doing it, that there's no way a profit's going to be made. You don't go in to write a book that someone else has already written, unless it has a unique twist or is a different person, different storyline. In fact, if you were thinking about writing a book and you found out that a bunch of people were going to write a book about JFK, you wouldn't write that book because you knew the competition would be stiff and there's no way you'd make a profit, especially if it was all going to be released at the same time. 
So we see the motivation of these people. It's not profit. They're not sitting down thinking, we're all going to write this book and we're all going to make much money. No, because they know just by the mass of the writings that they're not going to make any money. So that means their motivation is something so much different. They want to record an event and a moment and a life that in their perspective was famous beyond famous beyond famous. A story that wasn't going to make them money, but it was going to transform lives. And so they wrote it down. And there's something else that you should know about this time frame. It's not like today where you can get on your computer and and type, 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 and self-publish online. No, no. To write in this day was incredibly, incredibly, incredibly expensive. Which means as these people wrote this story, this many, many that Luke is talking about, not only were they not going to make money because of the mass of the biographies going out, but they weren't going to make money. They were actually going to lose money because of the cost of what it would take. But despite all that, they wrote, and they wrote, and they wrote, and they wrote. And then Luke tells us why. They wrote because what? It was fulfilled. So what's he talking about? What Luke is talking about, he's looking back in history, and all the Jewish people would know these prophecies, these predictions about a man called the Messiah. That someday they knew, because all the prophets told them, thousands of years of prophecy, a bunch of different prophets predicted the coming of one person. Over 300 prophecies predicted about one person who was going to show up and do something special. And Luke says, this one man showed up. And when he showed up, a bunch of us took notice because we knew the prophecies and we knew they were fulfilled, and so we started writing. Now, 300 doesn't sound like a lot, does it? 300 prophecies... That doesn't seem really excessive. But here's the probability of that happening. Actually, here's the probability of just eight of those prophecies being fulfilled by one person. Because there are prophecies like this. Born in Bethlehem. Died on a cross. Born of a virgin. As we just read, scourged and whipped and afflicted is a prophecy from Isaiah. Just eight. Just eight of the 300. It would be like me stacking silver dollars two feet deep across the entire state of Texas, putting your initials on one of them, throwing it into the mix, blindfolding you, and saying, go find your coin. As you walk around the state of Texas blindly, you grab one and you pull it out. That's the probability of Christ fulfilling just eight of the 300 plus prophecies. And so when he did, people began to write. People began to spend their money and write down because they knew this was noteworthy. They knew this was history beyond history, and they had to write it down. They were compelled to write it down. But there was more, and there was more reasoning behind it. This is what Luke says. Just as they were handed on to us by those who, from the beginning, were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So Luke says, not only do we write it because it was fulfilled and it was obvious, but also We talked to people who talked to the Messiah, who talked to Jesus. And we see the disciples, 12 men who walked with Christ for three years and came up with this crazy notion that he was perfect. He was perfect. Three years, day and night, every moment, every interaction, every difficult time, they thought this guy was perfect. And they followed him and they believed in him and they watched him die. 
And then they watched him show back up. And they ate breakfast with him and they interacted with him. And it transformed their lives. And these are the type of conversations that Luke had with these people. And they were convinced beyond convinced. Because why? Because they had a teacher who predicted his death and resurrection and pulled it off. So of course, they believed. Of course, they told the story. And this is the type of people that Luke spoke to. And Luke spoke to Mary. And that's why he has this great birth narrative. He talked to the mother of Jesus, a woman convinced her son was her savior. And he talked to Paul, a man who hated the Christians and wanted to kill all the Christians, who had his life radically transformed and became the greatest missionary this world has ever seen. And he talked to other people who saw the risen Christ. And all these people had these interactions, and so they wrote. And they wrote, and they wrote, and they spend their money, and they spend their time to write down a biography about a man that they were never going to make any money on. Well, Luke goes on, and he tells us why he wrote. He says, I too decided, after investigating everything carefully from the very first, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So Luke, you got to know something about Luke. Luke is interesting because Luke is different than all the other gospel writers. You see, in the gospel, amongst the many, were four that we still have. Four that's in the Bible that you received when you're in third grade. Four that's in the Bible in front of your pew. Four that's in the gospels that are presented on the screen every Sunday. The gospels are biographies of Christ, written by disciples, except for Luke. Matthew was written by Matthew, the tax collector. Right, we know about Matthew. Matthew was called by Jesus to be a disciple, even though everyone hated Matthew, and for good reason. Because to be a tax collector meant that he was taking taxes from the Jewish people and giving it to the foreign invader, which was Rome. And Matthew did that. And he fortified Rome, and he fortified their armies by taking money from his own people and sending it to Rome. But despite that, Jesus called him, and Matthew followed and he found acceptance and love in Christ. And for three years, he walked with Christ. And he watched him perform miracles and change lives and teach. And he remembered all this stuff. And when Jesus died and rose again, Matthew took the resources he probably still had remaining from being a tax collector, from overcharging his people, and wrote down the book of Matthew. And penned the stories and penned the teachings of Jesus. And we still have that today. And then there was Mark, Matthew Mark, John Mark, some people called him. And Mark was an interesting character because he wasn't a disciple, but he was working with Peter. See, the Bible tells us that Peter, even though he was the leader of the disciples, was an uneducated man, which means that if he was going to pen a biography, he needed help. And so Mark was his friend. Mark was a disciple of Peter. So Peter grabs Mark and says, this is what we need to do. This story is beyond famous, beyond famous. We need to get it out there. This is the story of history. And so Peter tells Mark the story of Christ, the teachings of Christ, all things that Jesus had done, and Mark begins to write. And Mark writes the book of Mark through Peter's voice in his ear. Then we get to Luke, and then we go to John. And John was another fisherman, but John was a different fisherman. His family had a fishing empire, and we know that because... They had servants, they had hired men, which means they were special, they had money. And so John gave up a fishing empire when Jesus called him, and he walked with Jesus, 
And it says that John was beloved by Jesus. He was Christ's best friend. He was in the inner circle. John loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. And he walked with Jesus for three years. He watched him die. He watched him rise again. He ate breakfast with him again. His friend was back, and his friend went to heaven. And John began to write. And John began to write. And we have in our Bibles the gospel messages, three directly connected to the disciples. But then there's Luke. Luke's not a disciple. Luke is not even Jewish. Luke is a Gentile. Luke was the many. Luke wrote, 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 wrote. And little did he know that his book was going to make the cut and be placed right next to the disciples' writings. A biography about Christ. But before we get there, we need to know who Luke is. He's not only a Gentile, he's a doctor. He's a physician. He's detail-oriented. He questions everything. He's logical. He's smart. He's thinking through these things. He's not going to be fooled by a fake death. He's not going to be faked by a, a, a false narrative of a resurrection. It says he investigated everything. Luke went around trying to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, is Jesus real or is he fake? He wasn't going to waver. He wasn't going to question. He was going to know. He was going to investigate. He was going to overturn every stone until he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt who Jesus was or who Jesus was not. And so Luke investigated. Luke talked to the disciples. He looked at the prophecies. He talked to all the eyewitnesses, and he spoke to Mary. And in the end, guess what happened? He was convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was predicted in the Old Testament, that Jesus predicted his death and resurrection and pulled it off. And so he too began to write. Now, who is Luke writing to? It says he was writing to this guy named Theophilus. And we just know not much about him, but we know he says most excellent, which means he's either of high standing or rich, right? He has some prestige. And so Luke does something interesting. He writes a book, not to become famous, and not that he thinks it's ever going to be next to the disciples' books. He writes a book for one person. He writes a story to one person to influence this one person in his life. That was his hope. If I can just influence Theophilus, it will be worth my time. It will be worth all the research. It will be worth all the money. I just want to influence this one guy. And this is why. So that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you have been instructed. See, Luke wanted Theophilus, one person, to know the truth. To know the truth that Luke had carefully investigated, that Luke had, had bought into 100%. He wanted Theophilus to know the truth because he wanted Theophilus' life to be radically transformed. He wanted him to know that Jesus, this unbelievable story, this unbelievable story, that it was true, it was true. And he just wanted Theophilus to know this. Now, it had to be far beyond the scope of what Luke could ever have imagined that his book, his story, his biography of Christ was going to be read not just by Theophilus, but by pretty much every believer of all time. One of the greatest gospels written by a Gentile, written by a guy who wasn't even a disciple, who just tried to go out and write a book for one person. 
a book that's read every Christmas, a biography of Christ, a real person throughout time. Well, during Advent, we're going to be talking about Christmas traditions, and we're going to have a lot of fun. And we're going to poke fun at your traditions, and we're going to poke fun at my traditions, and we're going to look at the origin story of where all those traditions came from. But before we get there, and before we make fun of you eating lutefisk and oyster stew and all the other strange things you do during Christmas because of your origins, this is the thing I want you to know. This is the thing I want you to hold on to, and it's, it's this. Your Christmas traditions, they exist. These trees are here. The candy canes are waiting at home. The Christmas lights are up on houses. All those traditions exist because he exists. You see, Luke wrote down a story that he was convinced was true. And he wrote the mundane. A child was born. Thousands of people are born every day. But Luke, who had carefully investigated all this, was convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was who he said he was, that Jesus was real, and that Jesus could transform your life and transform your friend's life. And so he wrote, and he wrote, and he wrote. And when he wrote, little could he have imagined that all of you who would have read that book and all the people of Christ would be hearing this story on this Sunday throughout the world. And little did he know that for some odd reason, you'd be debating over when you open presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. But because you do, and because you have lights up, and because you have nativity scenes, you can know that Christ exists. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Christmas.